Hi guys, this is Drew from the Cellcast, and uh, what you're about to hear, of course, if you've been following along, is the re-release of our animated series segment for Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episodes 3 and 4, which are uh, Mining the Mines Mines and Room for Growth. These two episodes, we recorded our reviews for them on our Muppet Family Christmas episode, uh, of course, we're doing all this so you can get ready to uh, listen to us talk about Star Trek season, Star Trek Lower Decks season four, uh, which we're releasing our first episode, which is actually the Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover episode on Labor Day weekend. So keep an eye out for that. But yeah, here are your episodes for the, for for uh, this time, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Come on now and set sail for the future. Find the sky, I'm sorry, I just love that song. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, first oh, episode of tonight yes. is Mining the Minds Minds. That's a tongue twister. Mining the Minds Minds. Get it said right in a second. Uh, this episode is directed by uh, Phil Mark Sagadraka. I hope I said that right. And written by Brandy Bradley. In this episode, on a remote science outpost, stone orbs are bringing fantasies to life while Tendi starts her first day as senior science officer trainee. Guest casting, oh, guest casting. The guest cast for this one includes Lauren Lapkus as both Jennifer Shreyan and Werewolf Jennifer. Werewolf Jennifer. That's how it listed it. Agreed. Ben Rogers as Steve Stevens and the patient in sickbay. Ah. Carl Tart as Core D and the Borg Snake. The Borg Snake? You forgot about did, the Did Borg I miss this? <laughs> the one that shot the basketball at them in the cave? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I was like, what the fudge is so going you, on? I, I just, that's the thing about this particular episode. If you have not seen this, everything I've just said sounds like chaos. It does. And it is. <laughs> Paul F. Tompkins as Miglimo and. It just says young, <laughs> young, young someone. <laughs> I don't remember who. Uh, Baron Vaughn as mayor and Carrie Walgreen as Kearns. And a special guest star for this episode, Susan Gibney as Dr. Leah Brahms, mm -hmm. which I'm guessing you I have no, no idea, idea who, who that is. <laughs> so the character of Dr. Leah Brahms is a leader in warp field theory and contributed to the development of the galaxy-class ship's warp drives. Ah. 
that's who the main idea behind this character is. Uh, she first appeared in the Next Generation episode Booby Trap mm. as a hologram that Chief Engineer Jordy LaForge accidentally creates in the process of trying to figure out how to have the Enterprise escape an energy trap. Mm. Basically, every time the Enterprise, the Enterprise got stuck in this one location, and every time the Enterprise would do something to kind of, you know, start the engines to move out, right? the whatever was causing this would suck all the energy out of the drive and keeping the enterprise from moving. Oh, that's what they were trying to get past. Uh, turns out that the hologram program is a little too good as holographic Brahms and Jordy start to develop feelings for each other throughout the episode. Oh. By the end of the episode, when Jordy has to turn off the program, it plays like two lovers saying goodbye to each other. Oh. If Jordy would have been smart, he would have deleted this program. However, in the Next Generation episode, Galaxy's Child, which mm. was in the following season, okay. the real Dr. Leia Brahms comes on board to study the Enterprise, uh, to the Enterprise to study the engine modifications Jordy has made over the years. Oh. As the Enterprise is heading through an asteroid field, they get attacked by a space-borne life form. Defending themselves, the Enterprise accidentally ends up killing this life form, which turns out to be pregnant. And after performing the equivalent of a C-section to save the child, the child decides that the Enterprise is its mother and attaches itself to the ship, feeding off the warp drive. Oh, fun. As Jordy and Brahms attempt to figure out how to quote-unquote sour the milk to make it disengage, Leah comes across the holodeck program from Booby Trap. Oh. And you can imagine how that went. Specifically, when we see Majority comes in and finds Dr. Brahms facing herself, it is the, it is the scene from the, her final appearance in Booby Trap where she says, Jordy, when you are working on my, uh, I am in these engines. When you are working with them, you are working with me. Oh and something gosh. to that effect. It's like, oh, wow, this is like the worst place you could have come awkward. in on. <laughs> like, I think I'd be like, Jordy, like, get, beam me up, Scotty. Now. Uh, so yeah, that's who Dr. Leia Brahms is. Gotcha. Uh, the, the also in the ep in the episode, we see a Kuku Khan, the snake flying snake monster. Okay. Uh, which previously appeared in the animated series episode "House Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth." Okay. Fun fact: If you've seen uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, Kuku Khan is the name that the at the uh, the Mayan people that uh, mm -hmm. Namor is from call him because they believe him to be a representation of oh. their god. It, it, they are based off the same source material. Got if it. you're trying to figure that one gotcha, out. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, the psychic minds that appear in this episode produced a similar effect as the technology used on the Shoreleaf planet from the original series episode Shoreleaf mm -hmm. and the Star Trek animated series sequel once upon a planet as well as the fantastical alien illusions experienced aboard deep space nine in that episode in their episode if wishes were horses this episode features the first appearance of the excelsior class uss hood and the excelsior class in general in animated form the uss hood first appeared in the next generation at premiere encounter at farpoint 
The appearance of Cordy is the first reappearance of the Zaldan race since the Next Generation Season 1 episode, Coming of Age, which aired 34 years previously. Hmm. This episode references several past incidents experienced by the Lower Deckers aboard the Cerritos, including Boimler and Rutherford's descriptions of that Klingon who took off the, took off with the ship when he was drunk from Envoys, the time they tussled with Mugatos in Mugato Gumato, mm. the two times that they tussled with the Packleds, mm -hmm. no small parts, and Wedge Dudge, the time they scared the crap out of that drill instructor in I Excretus, mm-hmm, and the later description of the, by the Carlsbad Lower Deckers to the time the Cerritos Lower Deckers stood strong in an alien trial, which was later clarified as more of a party yeah. in Veritas. Uh, this episode included the use of a hand phaser to heat rocks, <coughs> much like was accomplished by Sulu and was first seen in the original series episode, The Enemy Within. Mm. Stevens mentioned that when he was turned to stone, he was... He declared brain dead, but saw a koala sitting on a black mountain. This is a reference <laughs> to the episode's moist vessel, where it is mentions the universe is balanced on the back of a giant smiling koala. Remember the one the, the guy was trying to ascend, but was actually oh. faking it. But oh. then he does ascend and we see him. He says the this the the universe is ruled by a giant koala. Why does he smile? What does he know? You don't remember this? I remember this. I remember this. Uh, wow. Uh, where it switches the universe's mounts on the back of a, of a giant smiling koala. And we'll always have Tom Paris, where Shax mentioned it during the explanation to Rutherford about how he came back to life. Yeah. Which we never got a full explanation for, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, that's the end of the trivia for this one. What are your thoughts on this episode? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, this, like, I, I, there again, limited understand, limit, limited exposure to all of Star Trek. Trek, yeah. Trek, right? Trek, Trek, Star Trek. There's an E, not an A. Okay. Star Trek. Oh my gosh. Either or, moving on, <laughs> moving on here, people. For I embarrass myself even more with Star Trek stuff. Moving on. Moving on. Um. Oh man, that's just the the fact that they they encounter these rocks that will make you, uh, like your your deepest fantasy come to life, and that's turn how it you starts to anyway. Huh? That's how it starts anyway. That's how it starts anyway. Then it turns into a nightmare. Which I find I, hysterical. I especially loved the Klingon clowns. Oh God, <laughs> the Batleth arms. <laughs> Those were funny. Those were funny. Uh, the part that got me more was uh, Tindy trying to be insertive or trying to, you know, buck up to the captain. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, I, I just found it very interesting. I, I found that more interesting than the the I guess you would call the the main plot. I guess this is actually, I think, one of the weaker episodes this season. Yeah, I would agree. I'll admit, because it's the one that's the most off the wall. Yeah. Well, outside of maybe the next one. But, um, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, how Tendi's trying to uh, be more assertive so that she can try and be a senior science officer 
uh, would be a more interesting story. Yeah, and also her fact to be like she's the one who picks up on the uh, the the transponder. Yeah, they're like, oh, there's a weird frequency going on here, and everybody's just ignoring her. And she finally just is like enough, just smashes this thing, revealing the uh, the, the power community. source, huh? The power source, the power inside. source, where these two people are communicating or they're working together to get more information from Starfleet, the rock, thought, huh? the rock based life forms, and the outpost scientists. I thought that was clever. I thought that was clever. <laughs> the end of it was great. The like the psychedelic. Uh, all the monsters are trying to kill you kind mm-hmm. of thing. Going to turn you into stone. That was funny, but the Tindy story was better. It was more better. Yeah. It was a little more fleshed out. It was a little more intriguing, but yeah, I real I enjoyed the episode. It's a little weak with its, I think it's a plot. It's B plots better. If they would have stuck more with the B plot, I thought it would have been better. Yeah. I agree with you there. Right. Actually, uh, I don't think this was the best way to use Dr. Leia Brahms's character, even though I get the joke, it being a reference to how she is, how uh, her first appearance, basically. Right. Um, and that apparently a lot of engineers have the same type of fantasies, I guess. Weird. Because uh, that's the entire reason Rutherford had a fantasy on her is because Jordy had a fantasy of her. It's like, yeah, you know, these are different people. Yeah. I, I get maybe he could have a crush, but still... It's like, oh yeah, we we all have like you know our crushes on this character. I'm like, really? Yeah. Just, I, just because she created the warp core? <laughs> no, she didn't create the warp core. She just made it made it better, better. basically. Made it better. I don't know a good way to explain it because wow. she's just a leader in the field, and she's the one who technically created the Enterprise's warp core. Yeah. Uh. But see, I don't really think using this character using the character in this way mm-hmm. is was the best way to handle using her character might have been funny if rutherford had had to deal with her on the cerritos because maybe yeah. cerritos is using the enterprise d's design since it's a newer ship than the d and so maybe it's using technology that was made for the d yeah for, for that for the galaxy class but uh and maybe it causes trouble with the california class maybe so maybe rutherford would have to work with her on that and maybe that could cause some issues and problems that might have been a better use of her character other than oh i'm just a i'm just a fantasy dream sequence thing yeah and grant i bet you that uh, the actress had a lot of fun playing this probably i almost guarantee it it's just i kind of wish there's sometimes the jokes get in the way on the show, they even though it's meant to be a comedy. Right. They're just sometimes it's like you could tell a better story that is still funny if you just work a little bit better at making the coherent story first. Right. But yeah, I agree with you that Tendi's story I think is done better in this. Um, and maybe they just couldn't think of any other good jokes besides the idea that. Um, in reality, Dr. Ta'ana is actually her mentor instead of Miglimo. Yeah. Even though Miglimo is her official mentor. Yeah. But then who likes Miglimo, if we're being honest? True. He's like, he is Paul F. Tompkins, so comparing him to Shorty does make a lot of sense. That is true. So but true. it's like if Shorty was actually intelligent. Very true. Which really explains a lot about that character. Uh, but yeah, this is just... I. I this is not my favorite episode of season three. I do think it's the weakest one in season three, uh, but it is a, it is just a nice little fun 
episode. Agreed. Uh, you ready to hit the next one? Yeah, let's do that. Next episode, Room for Growth, which was directed by Jason Zurich and written by John Cochran. Uh, in this episode, Mo- Mariner, Boimler, and Tendi clash with their arch rivals, Delta Shift. Meanwhile, the Cerritos engineers go on mandatory relaxation leave. And that goes about as well as you think it will. Asif Ali plays Asif in this one. Mm. Mary Holland it plays Taz. Charlotte Nick Dow uh, played Meredith and Moxie. Artemis Pebdani played Caravitas. And, of course, Paul Shear played Andorithio Billups and Carl Tart reprised his role as Kayshawn. Which I actually liked a lot of his uh, sayings in this one from his language. They were funny to me. Gotcha. Uh, getting into the trivia for this. Two additional background characters introduced during season one are given names for the first time in this episode, that being Fedorov and Moxie. The opening scene where Captain Freeman is possessed by a mask and turns parts of the Cerritos into an ancient temple is a direct reference to Star Trek The Next Generation episode Masks, which is about as stupid as you think it is Mm -hmm. from what you saw in this episode, (laughs) except it's data that gets possessed by the masks. Yeah. It's a weird episode. Agreed, it is. Oh, you've seen it. What? This episode? Yes. No, Masks. No, I haven't. That's what I'm saying. That's the weird episode. Oh, okay. I this is referencing this, that episode. Yeah, this is a masks. weird episode, too. Yeah, but I mean, the whole thing with the masks is okay. what I was referring to. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Taz and another unidentified masseuse are the third and fourth Adosians to appear in Star Trek after Eric's in, from Star Trek the Animated Series and the Division 14 medical specialist from the Lower Decks episode, Much Ado About Boimler. The Gallardonian, a member of Momol species, a member of Miglimo's species, hmm. and a member of Attix's species, give you an idea of how many species have not been named yet, Right. all species first introduced in Lower Decks appear aboard the Dove. Huh. Uh, it is confirmed in this episode that Dr. Ta'ana at one point had a tail like all other Cations. Oh, gosh. Earlier in her Starfleet career, she lost it in an unspecified incident. Oh, my gosh. That scene. That entire scene. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Last but not least, one of the Dupler emissaries duplicates. Skeletal remains can be seen when Mariner, Boimler, and Tendi first enter the area under hydroponics, suggesting at least one duplicate was unaccounted for. Well, there's not a lot of oxygen down there, so no. I get it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tinley. Tinley. I, I, I like Tinley as a character more and more because she's a little more assertive than yeah. she used to be. Oh my gosh. This I'll, episode and this episode, the last episode in this episode, it's just more like, okay, you, you t- like Tinley more. Yeah. This is uh, another. We also get to see another instance of uh, bold Boimler. In oh, this. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Except now we know him as Antigrav Boy. Oh. <laughs> that was great until it's like, oh, it's the deflector dish. Ah, uh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the holodeck scene. <laughs> oh, gosh. Why? Uh, it's, I, I understand these two are a couple. I get it. Yeah. This has been the running, not the running, but this, this has been going on since somewhere in season two is where it started. Yeah, it did. 
where she realized she actually had feelings for Shaq. Probably the episode where Shaq's came back. Yeah, for being honest. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that I I love it. I love that this moment in there where they're robbing the bank. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely like Bonnie and Clyde all yeah. all day. I thought it was hilarious, and she's like, "It's like, oh, turn off all like uh, turn the safe, turn off the safety protocols." It's, it's like, hold on, and that's and that is not what makes him pause the program. It's mostly like, you know, we never talk anymore. It's like, <laughs> like I die. We haven't talked since. Oh Here, I'll gosh. show. I'll tell you a secret. <laughs> Nobody knows how I lost my tail. Oh my gosh, Tidley! It's like <laughs> I've got to know. Gotta, it's, I, it's like I'm curious. It's like no, we don't want to find this out. Nope. But I do need to make a comment on one thing because this is another instance where money is brought up on Star Trek, mm -hmm. except this is money from the past. Yeah. So there's been a thought that in star trek the federation does not have any money okay i disagree with this just because it's not seen on screen doesn't mean there's not money sure For one thing there has to be some sort of exchange rate to the ferengi's gold press latinum since that is a thriving currency mm -hmm. that pretty much everyone who wants to deal with the ferengi has to be able to use yeah and you can't replicate this stuff anywhere that's part of the reason why it's actually still worth something mm -hmm. uh there is nowhere in Star Trek that actually states that they don't have currency of some kind. Mm. The closest that you get is in Star Trek First Contact. Okay. When I, I know you've seen the movie, right? Yeah, I've seen it. Okay. You know the scene where he and or Picard and Lily are working their way through the ship and she asks, uh, I had a hard enough time finding enough titanium just to build a four meter cockpit. How much did this thing cost? Mm hmm. And Picard says, uh, the, uh, the accumulation of money is no longer the driving force in our lives. Mm -hmm. People have used that quote to say that there's not money in Star Trek. That is not what Picard said. No. <laughs> Picard said the pursuit and accumulation of that money is not the driving force in our lives. That may be true for Picard because Picard's family is rich because they have a very old vineyard and he probably never had to care about money. And plus Picard's an idealist mm -hmm. and he's trying to, he's got, he has a chance to teach the ideals or his ideals of from the 24th century to the lower 21st century. And maybe this is where the concept of the quote unquote uh, evolved human that supposedly exists in, next, in Star Trek starts this is actually proven just proven true but anyway not not important but wouldn't that be like understanding very little about star trek there's still money there's still money but wouldn't he be breaking the what is what is that code that they can't break? you're thinking of prime directive, prime directive but technically that doesn't count here because it's still the human race what comes into play is the temporal prime directive which oh. means you can't change the past uh. problem is by that point past has already been changed so he's trying to change uh to correct the problems uh, yeah. in the past and he and it's not the enterprise that caused the problems it was the borg, borg. sphere true that's what changed the past i got gotcha. you uh i like what bobo says in our chat he says it's kind of like saying money is evil uh -huh. but it's, that's not the case it's the love, love of money, money. That is the problem. And yes. that's actually how it's written in the Bible. We always Agreed. say it's like money is the root of all evil. It's actually the love of love money. of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil. Yeah. It's it's that it's that driving force yeah. that be it's like greed. oh I just want to make money. That's your yeah. driving force. Money is not evil. It's just money above all else is yeah, evil. Exactly. So yeah. So I I I this is a thing that's always gonna come up when because people are always saying Star Trek doesn't have money. I'm thinking that's stupid. Why else would Cisco's dad have a restaurant? Yeah. Just because he likes to cook? Do you realize how long it takes to cook? Uh, uh, yeah. run a restaurant mm-hmm. you were there all night you don't do that just because it's fun you do that because you're getting a paycheck exactly <laughs> even if it's a mighty big paycheck because you're the manager yeah you still have to be up there during like the worst part of the day so anyway yeah sorry had to get that off my off my chest because gotcha. that topic is one that bugs me i got gotcha. you anyway uh but yeah that scene is one of my favorites there in the bank and i love how uh boimler and uh mariner don't even know what don't, are not even sure what it is they don't even know how to pronounce the word bank it's like yeah we got all this uh paper currency that has an arbitrary value to it when you, when you think about it, all money is arbitrary values. Is true. it's, it's not, not really backed up by anything backed up by anything so you know i can't really disagree with them <laughs> yeah agreed but anyway I've been talking a lot. You talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is interesting that they, it's like, oh yeah, the, 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 the night crew is going to, you know, steal all the glory. So they got to go and, you know, well, be their own so there's a, uh, a lottery for a new, for uh, new rooms that have opened up. Uh-huh. And they think that there are four rooms on deck one, one that are available, but it's only one room on deck four. Which makes a lot more sense than four rooms on deck one, since the only thing on deck one should be the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> that is, true. is traditionally the only thing on deck one on like every other ship. True. Except for the Defiant, because it only had five decks. True. And they actually in- tactically designed that ship so that the bridge was sunken into the superstructure. Hmm. But anyway. Either or. Be like, I, I do I do like uh kind of like this the last episode it's more it's like okay they're on this little adventure and hold on what is the 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 side the b story to this uh is i am rutherford okay technically them going after the uh, room is the b story yeah okay the a story is, oh yeah the spa spa <laughs> the spa that's right I that's totally forgot technically about that. the A story. And I love how the engineers are fine, really. I mean, yeah, yeah. they've been overworked, but that's just because they it's haven't had the to stop. It's the captain who's gone nuts. It understands like, black stress can get to you. But I'm like, okay, Cap, you gotta de you gotta uh uh de-stress a little bit. And the the little DX6 Machina, they just come mm-hmm. up with a device that like literally puts dove out of business right it's like i need this to destroy but why this thing it's all over it's like get rid of this now it's like yeah because then we won't have we'll actually have to work yeah exactly but i love all of their uh the other things they show in there that were supposed to help de-stress like the the puppy room oh yeah the cat room for the deviants when there's no judgment it's like <laughs> i'm one of those deviants <laughs> you're not kidding and then puppies the, rule, dogs, cats drool. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> um, 
and then the the room where the Klingon is just killing it, is just breaking everything. Uh -huh. It's like act technically he's gone over his time, but we're all scared to go in there and stop it. Yeah, you think? <laughs> it's like, not bet you are. Uh, I, I, that was all. Yeah, that was it's fun. like, quick, increase the puppies. We can't, sir. We've run out of them. We even threw some bunnies in there, and it's not helping. <laughs> That was, it was it was fun. It was to me. It's it reminded me of uh, Star Trek, not Star Star Wars on Clamino, uh episode two. Clamino, Camino, Camino. Thank you. It's some reason that just reminded me of that. Might it's not being a clone facility, but more of uh, relaxation. Spa. Yeah, that's just what it reminded me of for some reason. But uh, I I did enjoy the episode. I enjoyed more the the B story to mm -hmm. it. And of course, our characters don't win, and it's <coughs> there again. It's all miscommunication, or it's the uh, like where uh, I think it's Mariner. They start talking about how, like, where they're going to be in the next you know couple of years. Yeah, this character's going to be here. This character here, Mariner's probably going to be kicked out of Star Star Starfleet at this point. And Mariner and uh, uh, Boiler's probably going to be dead somewhere. <laughs> I want to comment on Mariner being kicked out of the service, but I'm not. <coughs> but got it. <laughs> got it. Uh, I will. I do want to point one other cool little thing out that my trivia didn't show, but uh, the fact that the way the engineers relax is by doing engineering. That has been a running gag since the original series with Scotty. Got it. Every chief engineer tends to, prefer relaxing by reading one of their technical journals mm. this is not a good scotty i don't think no anyway that's not going to get into that uh but yeah it's that's just a that's, I, I love the continuation of that running gag yeah it's it's like how with the with some very few exceptions most of the good doctors are cranky mm-hmm agree i'm still waiting for dr taana to say something like you fool, I'm a doctor, not a so, such and such. <laughs> or he's she's he's dead, Captain. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that because it's like those are the traditional lines. Grant, they're TOS lines, but uh -huh. still. Anyway. Yeah, I always keep an ear out for those. Yeah. But yeah, I thought like, just, they're they're interesting episodes. Other things I keep an ear out for, the number 47, which we've not seen a lot of. 47. 47. Okay. The most common number in Star Trek. All right. Okay. Well, that'll be a discussion for another episode. If it ever comes up again. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, that's going to be the end of this one, I think. Yep. Uh, join us next time for the episodes. Reflections and hear all trust nothing. Hmm. Okay. I believe Here All Trust Nothing is the episode that takes place on Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. Excellent. A previous location oh. on the uh, in, for, in Star Trek. So join us for that next week with the Polar Express. Uh, you got anything to add before we cut out of here? Uh, welcome to the Christmas train. In the meantime... This has been true. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame.
You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at G. George 759. His Twitter at G. George 759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell, with a single L. Oh, brother, we got stuck in another elevator shaft again.